Hello, everybody. I'm Kathy Yang. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. Minister Boris Johnson makes a fresh bid for a December election to break the more than three-year Brexit deadlock. Parliament had already refused his earlier demand for an election on Monday. But Johnson says he will now try a different route by passing a law requiring a simple majority. The vote looks to gain on the crucial backing of main opposition Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn, who said in a statement he satisfied conditions had been met to go to the polls before Christmas. But Johnson would also need the support of opposition parties, such as the Scottish National Party and the Liberal Democrats, which have been pushing for a December 9 election. And so far, it doesn't look like he has their support. Well, we haven't seen the detail of this bill, but we put forward a very clear plan which would have a general election on the earliest possible date, which would prevent the Prime Minister having any wriggle room at all to force his bad Brexit deal through the Commons before an election, which is, of course, what he set out his preferred plan was to do. And he's obviously, it seems, tabling a bill which still has the 12th of December, which just raises that question, that suspicion as to... When we presented a a Lib Dem SNP plan that said, look, if you give time for this specific bill, this specific plan, you will, you will, you know, we will get that through because that would be coming to back our plan. A trade deal between the world's two largest economies may be finalized sooner than expected. U.S. President Donald Trump says Washington is ahead of schedule to sign a significant part of its trade deal with Beijing. He adds the signing was planned for the APEC summit in Chile next month. Uh, We are looking uh, probably to be ahead of schedule to sign a very big portion of the China deal. And uh, we'll call it phase one, but it's a very big portion. Probably we'll sign it. I imagine the meeting is scheduled for Chile. I know they have some difficulties right now in Chile. But uh, I know the people in Chile, and I'm sure they'll be able to work it out. China's foreign ministry says chief negotiators from both camps plan to speak again soon. The leaders of both parties will call again in the near future. During this period, the related working groups will continue to hold consultations. China hopes that both countries can, on the basis of mutual respect, equality and mutual benefit, find a way to resolve the trade issue. Hopes of a U.S.-China trade deal lifted Philippine markets. As Michelle Long tells us, the local market mostly has foreign investors to thank for today's rally. After an uninspired morning, Philippine shares eventually firmed up in the afternoon, with the rest of Asia mixed on trade prospects for the U.S. and China. The PSE index eventually closing up by half a percent to 79.91. Volumes also starting to pick up, hitting over 6 billion pesos. Everybody's on the sidelines. It's the foreigners that are totally dominating trading, both buying and selling. And um, Filipinos are just watching, which I think is the most sensible thing to do. We break and hold 8,000. We get a little bit of enthusiasm from local investors. Then we can talk about a positive stock market. Mining stocks outperformed their peers after Indonesia announced the immediate suspension of nickel ore exports, a void the Philippines can fill.
The Philippines is the world's second largest producer of nickel ore. It's a no-brainer that um, any investor should at least accumulate nickel. It, this is not a speculation. This is a rating for the stock. We saw this, I believe it's around 2014 or 2013, that earnings of nickel spike because Indonesia are also suspended before. Nickel Asia led the pack up over 5%, with Global Fair Nickel and Nihau Mineral Resources both jumping over 3% each. In corporate stories, another shakeup in the Lushutan Empire as Lucio Bongtan Jr. is appointed president of PAL Holdings, the parent company of Philippine Airlines. He replaces Gilbert Santa Maria, who is staying on as president and COO of Philippine Airlines. PAL Holdings says Santa Maria has, in fact, just presented his 90-day report on PAL, as well as turnaround plans for the flag carrier, which will be implemented by 2020. This was well received by the board. And Andertan Sun Trust was placed on voluntary trading suspension to be lifted 9 a.m. October 30. The company is seeing its authorized capital stock increase from 3 billion to 23 billion pesos, with 5 billion of the shares to be subscribed by Megaworld and the Fortune Noble Group, which is behind Hong Kong's Sun City. In all, the Fortune Noble Group will keep its controlling stake, while Megaworld will have a 34% stake. The stock, which is a tourism play, has been on a tear since last week. Michelle Long, ABS-CBN News. Preemptive but prudent. That is how HSBC describes the surprise triple-R cut by the Philippine Central Bank last Thursday. HSBC's chief ASEAN economist Joseph Incalcatera says the impact of the series of triple-R cuts on bank lending and overall liquidity hasn't been as strong. But he expects loan growth to pick up next year. As we see, you know, reversal in uh, fiscal spending, already the July-August uh, fiscal data looks a lot better. The government is picking up expenditure. So hopefully what this should do is crowd in private spending as well, particularly on investment. And as a result, we do expect an acceleration in loan growth next year, facilitated by the triple R cuts. Developing Asian countries need to invest more than 5% of the gross domestic product over the next 10 years to meet the infrastructure needs of their fast-growing economies. That's according to a newly launched book, Infrastructure Financing in Asia, co-published by the Asian Development Bank. A previous ADB report had estimated infrastructure needs in developing Asia and the Pacific will exceed $22.6 trillion through 2030, or $1.5 trillion per year. The estimates go even higher when climate change mitigation and adaptation costs are incorporated. To address this challenge, the book offers a variety of policy approaches, such as wide-ranging public finance and institutional reforms, to create a stronger enabling environment for public-private partnerships. We have to think outside the box of the new ways of doing things. I think if we rely on the conventional thing on building infrastructure, we will not catch up with all the demand that will be there. So we need, for example, right now, there is a term of blended financing, not only public sector, private sector, and PPP, but there is also philanthropies, for example, or community-based development that we can enter and structure the project in such a way that the project itself can be more sustainable in the future. 
Makati City secures additional funding for its planned subway system. Mayor Abigail Binay says an additional $332 million have been made available as initial funding for the country's first intra-city subway system. That's after lead private sector proponent Philippine InfraDev Holdings Inc. deals with several Chinese firms. This rounds up the project's initial funding to around $500 million. Binay says the construction and operation of the subway will generate some 10,000 jobs for Makati residents. The subway system is also expected to increase work productivity by cutting down the travel time of workers once it becomes operational by 2025. Metro Manila is still the world's worst city to drive in. That's according to the latest data from traffic navigation app Waze. The report shows it takes about 4.9 minutes just to drive a kilometer in the country's capital. The traffic beating app expects the city's traffic woes to get worse as Christmas season draws near. Other cities noted in the report are Bogota, Colombia, Jakarta, Indonesia, Sao Paulo in Brazil, and Israel's second most populous city, Tel Aviv. Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte wants full cooperation from all stakeholders to address a looming water shortage in Metro Manila and nearby provinces. As Ron Cruz tells us, Malacanang defends the president's threat to use extraordinary powers to solve the impending crisis. Prohibited. Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte pulling out all the stops to prevent a looming water shortage in Metro Manila and nearby provinces. A day after saying he's willing to use his extraordinary powers to prevent a water shortage, Duterte is making another appeal. Stop uh, uh, making it hard for the people there because it's a question of survival of the nation. Water. The president also wants the construction of more water sources to ensure a stable supply. If it's a question of a dam, uh, well, uh, completed. And if there's a, a strong opposition, let me know because it's either we accommodate them with their objections and suffer. Uh, the shortage or uh, just uh, maybe try out something that is workable for them. The controversial China-backed Kaliwa Dam project has been seen as an answer to the water rolls of Metro Manila residents. But reports say indigenous people in the area have yet to give their consent to the project. Duterte earlier said he's studying all options, including the use of the police power of the state to address the crisis. Malacanang is defending that statement, saying Duterte has legal basis to do so. The legal basis is always when, you know, the, the provision of the Constitution is very clear. The president's primary duty as head of state of the government is to serve and to protect the people. Senator Panfilo Lacson also backing Duterte's statement, saying Congress can delegate to the president the power of the state to take over the operation of public utilities. But he warns the government must be ready to compensate whatever losses the private concessionaires would incur during the period of the government takeover. Utility companies Manila Water and Mainilad also weighing in on the president's statement. Mainilad says it has been doing its part in implementing the necessary water infrastructure enhancements to meet the supply requirements of an ever-growing population. It adds that as a water distributor, 
it can only distribute the water volume that it receives from existing raw water sources. Manila Water, meanwhile, says its primary concern is the declining water level at Angat Dam. It adds it continues to coordinate with the government for the construction of medium-term water sources. Ron Cruz, ABS-CBN News. And that's it for today. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. You can watch highlights, recaps, and exclusive content of our shows online. Subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you for joining us.